Andy Kerr of the Global Hemp Association. It is so wonderful to have you with me on Hemp Errands today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. My God, does your name come up in conversation on the daily? And I just have gotten used to saying, yeah, that Mandy Kerr is killing it. Sister, let's talk about how you came to hemp. And then I cannot wait to dive into the incredible works of the Global Hemp Association. Your reach is absolutely phenomenal. The, the dots that you are connecting is simply out of this world. What brought you to hemp? You're awesome. Thank you. Um, I I really I, I had an aha moment when it was brought to my attention the time frame at which plastics was no longer or plastics were coming into the market and hemp was no longer available, and then um, saw this huge opportunity and need within the industry for a place for people to connect and build relationships, and that's my passion. And so I saw so I saw opportunity and need and yeah had an aha moment to bring it to fruition. So plastics, you know, not, not the greatest fan can't live with them. Can't live without them, but it brought Mandy Kerr to him. <laughs> Yay. We, we will take it lady. So how did you, what gave you the idea to start essentially a trade association? Um, I was at a cannabis event. So I've been hosting B2B events for quite a while to build relationships for revenue-minded relationships and connections. And I was at a cannabis event helping another company generate leads. And I, I again, I asked everybody that walked by what I should know, what, what was happening. And through that, I met somebody else that I was helping to figure out what they had. It was a water extraction technology. And so I was walking from one facility to the next facility, watching them make the same mistakes, knowing that technology was much further advanced. And so I, I knew that where I was in Utah needed bigger support and help. And so um, a global, we knew we needed to go global in order to build infrastructure. And we knew that other countries had data that we weren't hadn't had access to and so being able to open those those lines of communication you know what's fascinating to me is that you had this insight now for those of us who have been dealing with hemp in forever of course that that insight is sort of built in right this is a, a global uh crop this is a global infrastructure building we have these different rates of maturity um regarding this crop and the very many industries that that hemp serves and and I'm going to go ahead and say the list. It's one of my favorite things to say uh, on the show. And so we're talking uh, human and animal body care, nutrition, uh, pharmaceuticals, nutraceuticals, uh, textiles, building materials, biocomposites, bioplastics, uh, energy, sealants, coatings, fuel, uh, nanotechnology, you know, stop me. It goes on and on. It's global. But how, how did you realize, what, where, where did the experience come from? You are clearly an experienced networker, an experienced event planner. How did the knowledge come from about the data and how important it is key to everything in this? Where, where did that experience or knowledge come from? Uh, there's a lot of false claims out there, right? And understanding, I guess, surrounding myself with people that were able to break down policy it's obviously not my specialty and it, I definitely don't have the strength like you do in the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, but being able to really link arms with and, and speak to what the challenges were or had been and then being able to 
to realize that there's this, there is data out there. It's not a new plant, right? We're new to it. And so kind of changing that mentality or that perspective. Indeed. And and when the plant was not so new and certainly ruled the world in, in terms of paper and textiles, et cetera, that data is not so useful to us anymore, it being 80 plus years old <laughs> and oftentimes even older. So, and recognizing again, the international um, aspect of it. When did you form the Global Hemp Association? A year and a half ago, right during COVID. So I actually started in Utah. I started as a Utah CBD collective hosting local events. Um, for those of you that know, Utah is very conservative. And so it was a very risky thing that I felt transferring from this you know, business B2B events to a hemp focused or cannabis focused event. And I really wanted to make it business centric. You know, I really wanted to talk about the economic impact and the rural communities and the bigger impact than what Utah specifically was dealing with. And it's the cannabinoid, the CBD market, or even the medical, the medical and recreational use, right? And so, yeah, I started hosting local events. And then during COVID, I, I had a choice to either shut everything down or transition over to hosting live online events. And so we started hosting um, or doing interviews every day, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, now I've interviewed 400 executives in the hemp and cannabis industry. And so I've, I've had a really awesome opportunity to sit on this side and watch the industry from a different angle. I'm not invested in any part of the industry right now. And so it's nice that, yeah, it made it easier to open doors, you know, and get to know people. And I really am genuinely passionate about the people and watching this, um, the industry grow. I'll say you are, uh, and you are passionate about putting those people together. So there are there are folks who might create a trade association for their own personal gain. And, and so when you say, you know, um, it gave me access, it gave you access to do your incredibly purpose-driven work, which is to deliver on the promise of this plant. And nothing could be more obvious uh, to me, Miss Mandy, and I am... I'm so excited to do the Global Hemp Association podcast. Uh, it's just incredible. Us two ridiculously busy gals finally being able to connect with uh, the insane schedules that we have. And I'm just, I'm just so thrilled to be learning all about this right now. Now, you have an incredible board. You have an even more amazing advisory board. And the only reason why I say that is, of course, because you can have a much larger advisory board than you do a board. Um, how did you start meeting some of these folks? For example, um, Robert Ziner of Canada. I mean, he is one of my favorite people to hang out with when I find myself at a Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance event or some other um, international cannabis event. How did you meet him? Um, hosting events online. So I started publishing, um, I would host host meetings and I'd reach out to people on LinkedIn and uh, through media. We've got, you know, a few thousand, maybe 10,000 subscribers on our newsletter list. And I send a pretty robust newsletter a couple of times a month. And so um, I started to meet people and people would come and sign on to our, our meetings. And then I was able to develop a relationship with them. And so from there, I developed an advisory board by picking different verticals, both you know, industry sectors along the supply chain and in use markets, as well as, you know, international. And so I really tried to pick a, ro a robust um, board for that same reason. I'm not the expert, but I definitely know somebody who is and I can yeah, now bring them into conversation and help develop business. 
God, well, it takes a village. There is no such thing as a hemp expert. Although I have been watching people, I have been watching people sort of put that shingle on their shack. But I have seen people who you'd consider an expert in agronomy or plastics or biofuels. So looking at somebody like Bobby Ziner, who has an experience in lumber or you know secondary post-processing for, for wood and has had a substantial exit, he's got a lot of business experience on scale that I, I admire. And then his experience with his partnerships. That is so, and, and just so important to drive home, especially, of course, at the at the head of a trade association, to be really getting that message out, which you do so well, of making sure that consumers and entrepreneurs and farmers, oh, please let the farmers know, as we do, um, that there is no such thing as a hemp expert. There are certainly subject matter hemp experts, and there are some subject matter hemp experts in multiple subjects mat subject matters um but even i can list my expert subject matters on one hand five fingers two of them being law and regulation which some might consider just one so it's just so important you of course have uh miss hannah gabrielova um international superstar on uh, hemp and sustainability and and regeneration um again many many stars here but some of my favorites Bob Hoban, Joe Hickey, two of my favorite hempsters. Bob is just one of my favorite lawyers, much less uh, the fact that he is a specialization in, in various forms of cannabis. Um, just really fantastic uh, stuff here. Greg Gerdman from the state of Washington uh, here is just so fantastic. Or I should say, I apologize, the state of Tennessee. He's just everywhere. As I say, he just moved to Nashville. That's right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, but is still so very much involved uh, throughout the United States. Incredible things here. So tell us about, I, I want to draw people to the Global Hemp Association. So Member benefits and the hemp hallway. I will let you start where you would like to start on that. Why people should be a member of the Global Hemp Association. Not that you haven't already given us several bullet points on just your incredible reach. Uh, I would say the feedback that we get the most is our network. Um, we've been able to develop a lot of conversation that has bred out a lot of bad actors. You know, the more that we start to, and a lot, that was a lot of the concern as to reservation, why people are getting into the industry is they've seen this influx of, you know, lack of traceability or bad actors, right? And so um, I think that that's a huge piece. And then also the, the you know, as we're publishing and publishing all of our content, um, every time we get somebody else on, whether they are an expert in plastics or have experience growing hemp or have made door panels, we're distributing information that hasn't really been readily available in a textbook or at a university or college. So we've created a big database there. And then with that, the connections that come. And then we've just recently launched a research division and are doing national seed trials with 10 different varieties across 10 different states. Um, and really the focus here is over and over again, we heard from brands. First, we heard from all of our members, you know, that in order to grow, we've got to have more brands come in. We've got to be able to build this demand. And as the demand starts to grow and these brands want to come on and buy, we've got to have a stable supply chain. And so really figuring out what genetics can be grown at scale. And then in addition, what data can withstand serious peer review. And so we've contracted with nine different um, independent research groups and are publishing data for the industry owned by the industry. 
and then we will scale this data into fiber. So this year we'll focus on the what market's calling for, and it's the long course fiber and the uh, herd, and we'll, yeah, they're fiber varieties, so fiber focused this year. And so I think that brings, you know, and then we're hosting three on-farm events. So really I think who, what is their interest? I always say to people, you know, when they get into the hemp industry, what is it that that drives your passion? Is it biofuels? Is it sustainability? Is it agriculture? Is it you know, the human that's that's attached to this, right? Because so many people that we know that are in the industry are doing this because something has personally impacted them. And so um, once we know and once people kind of figure that out, there's a place for them. So same within business, if you know, if it's the research that you're looking to scale or the connection for an attorney or anybody on our board, any one of our 20 board members or advisors, you know, have a skill set that becomes very impactful when we're trying to develop an industry. And so it's a, a, a mecca of connection and networking and delivering on the dream. So let me ask you this. So for resources, the reality is that when you are a member in that login sort of members only section, those, your podcast, those resources that you just discussed, whether there's a PowerPoint, a white paper, all of those resources become available to you by subject matter. Is that correct? Yeah. So after every one of our interviews, not only do I do individual interviews, but we host eight to 12 group meetings a month on different topics. So for example, our carbon meeting is one of our most popular meetings. It's hosted on the first Tuesday of every month. And then my team transcribes them into notes. And so not only do you get the transcribed notes in our hemp hallway platform as a member, but you also get the video edits. And then we, as for our guests, chop up all of our content and then reshare it throughout social media. So it's a little bit more digestible. Um, and then as an association, we're working hard to gather existing data that is out there so that we can use it to support claims. And those are all available through our platform also. So as you log in, all of that content is, I mean, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> I am simply unaware, um, even at the international scale, um, and I'm well aware of the leading international uh, associations and they are, many of them are just absolutely fantastic. But in terms of the absolute resource that is the resources uh, or that are the resources offered by Global Hemp Associations are just completely unmatched. It's, it's tremendous. Now, when we talk about Hemp Hallway, can you explain to us what that is? Because other things, you know, for Trade Association, a 501c6 Trade Association, we'd be looking at like resources, exposure, member exposure, and then that a member sort of directory for networking. How does the Hemp Hallway fit into exposure and directory? Okay, so this is really cool. So when you log into Hemp Hallway as a member, you have an option to set up a profile and you can decide how much of your profile you want to share. But it actually puts people on a map and has mapped out anybody that's logged into the platform by area, what they do, territory, if they're a processor, farmer, and so forth. And so there's about 4,100 people logged on right now to the platform um, that use it pretty consistently. It reads a lot like a LinkedIn, except for it has an event management, member management, and content management involved. 
And so it also does the same thing with events. You can put face-to-face events or virtual events. You can stream events through it. And so members all the time after our event will get on and say, who's in Indiana? Who's processing? Who are our farmers? Anything you want, right? We get people in the same state said, I had no idea so-and-so was down the street from me until we got on Hemp Hallway. You can also post jobs, um, post, yeah, there's like groups and forums. You can post jobs. It's, I, I, my jaws to the floor. No, the listeners can't see it, but you can. Um, just because the, the functionality, the infrastructure from a pure IT perspective to create this platform with all of that functionality is absolutely tremendous. That alone is, is just a huge undertaking. You've built it. It's populated, continuing to be populated. Thank goodness as the plant marches forward down the field and being well used for some time now. Yes. Well, and I think I've got to give credit to our team, right? Where my where credit is due. Michelle was a huge asset and helped. Um, and really the platform is so much more robust than we've started to tap into. And so we will be able to do a lot, a lot of connectivity. It allows us to really filter and be strategic, which allows, you know, when somebody logs into a meeting and I find out they're looking for funding or seeds or genetics or infrastructure, whatever it is, right? we can filter that and then strategically invite them to help build those relationships. It's just, and now, now let's talk about even the, and this is something that I say, I don't need to be a member or the common person doesn't, someone who is not a member yet. Um, I am very grateful uh, to be invited to be a member. Um, But it looks like on the opportunities tab, as it sits today, you can select an option, search for an industry, and search for location. If I were to select an option, say I'm looking for a job, that's one of the options. Other options include a short-term project offer, or I'm looking for a partner for my project. I'm requesting mentorship, requesting contacts, internship offer, looking for an internship, a call for a project, a volunteer opportunity, or a regular opportunity. That's in the option. Then we get into the search for an industry, and it goes on and on and on, all of the different industries, of course, that the plant serves, and then search by location. You can narrow those fields or not. Uh, this is a tremendous tool for the public. Yeah, it's and it's and then I've also that it will publish here pretty soon that will be a public map is all of the processors with dates they come online. And that that has has I've been able to do this by hosting our meetings and by people logging in. And now we can, yeah, we can support. So then when farmers or people are looking to develop industry, they know they know where our pockets are. It is so key, Mandy, that map that you're talking about with where the processors are, is that something that would be available to the general public or is that within the Yep. Mandy, I am just beside myself right now because if that is open to the general, that is everything that becomes the resource that I am going to want to shout from the rooftops. If you are thinking about growing a certain type, if you are thinking about manufacturing, where can I go? I can go to the now. There are other spots where for large amounts of money, you can pay for for certain data, as you know, and everywhere, all we have to keep our critical thinking hat on at all times when discussing any form of cannabis in terms of, uh, is it accurate? Is it up to date? That's where credibility comes in. 
And that, uh, Mandy Kerr, is so important in terms of the team that you are building, the fact that you have this team. And by the way, congratulations that Kayla Hurd has come on as your director of operations. Um, obviously, you know, a, a heroine of epic proportions. She is so skilled, such a doer. Um, you, but you have so many Kaylas. And when you have that large team, and the, the resources for them to be able to do their work, you can actually get accurate and factual information with the right people on your board, with the right people on your advisory board. And as you constantly say, and it is such a gift and, and such a gift, I am often told to the lawyers I work with, Joy, I love it when you, you know what you don't know. Yes, an expert knows what an expert doesn't know so that they know when to call in the expert. And, and so you are an expert in networking. You are an expert, expert in eventing and, and event planning. And you are certainly um, have tremendously advanced knowledge in a tr very many areas, obviously, in, in the plant and in the industry it serves because you're learning and, and so absorbed in it um, so quickly. But you can be trusted for the information that you are putting out there as actual data. And that is everything. So for people to be able to, for everyone, governments, researchers, academia, entrepreneurs, farmers, students, all of it, to be able to, and just regular citizens, to be able to have that as a resource and and start to engage in the in these developing hemp industries. It's absolutely everything. I, I just, it blows my mind that you are creating that and that you are going to make it publicly available, as you often say, data for the industry owned by the hemp industry. What a heroine you are. Well, and there's so much out there, right? We've got to pull it together so that it is accessible, so that if somebody comes in, it's no longer about one person being the best or the first, right? We've got to <laughs> collectively, and really before we see big brands coming on, we've got to have big, big industry players that are, you know, stable and operating and, yeah. Absolutely. And that's absolutely it. And when we talk about that credibility and the ability to rely on the data, that's kind of another thing is I even see some government websites, very established, nothing to do with hemp, agricultural, you know, uh, organizations that have a staff and so on and so forth. And they purport to have, you know, oh, and here's our page on, let's say, for example, all the Delta 8 legislation that's gone on. Well, I live and breathe law and regulation. That's my area in these in these developing industries. So I immediately see when I open those pages, it's outdated. There's three states that have come on since then. And that what you're saying was a proposed law is now a way past law. And they've moved into regulation. So again, it's that credibility. It's being able to look at this information and how can I trust if it is current and if it is accurate and, and in hemp, that credibility is absolutely everything, and it's something that comes over time. Um, and Mandy Kerr, you are getting the uh, Joy Beckerman seal of I can trust this stuff, and that is a that's a hard one to earn. And this is not to toot my horn. I just am a hard nut to crack. Well, and there's been Joy. There have been times where we get people in meetings, and you know, there's times we're like, eh, I don't know if that's right. But we have to remember it's evolving so fast especially in the fiber and grain and a lot of the discussions we're talking about, about you know, infrastructure build or new, new equipment or processes, they're evolving. 
in the very beginning, I had somebody that's very well known in this industry in textiles come onto my meeting and tell somebody else that they were wrong and didn't know what they were doing. And lo and behold, that person does is doing what they were told could not be done. And so those immediately I saw that happen and I was like, who am I to say you're wrong unless you're telling me the sky's you know, orange or a different color? Like there are some things that through processes and as the industry develops that we don't even know. Like you said, science is old and our reports are old. And so it's fascinating, isn't it? And I, I wanted to say it, and I'm glad that you you bring that up as we talk again about this very important thing, particularly around trade associations and credibility. Let's keep on this line. I really think this is an important conversation to have. And again, what people say in meetings is completely different from a, 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 a trade association publishing to the public, this is data and this is accurate data. This is information and this is accurate information. None of us have any control over the things people say in meetings or at conferences or at events, right? And a lot of crazy stuff comes out. Now, I and I've seen you do the same thing so graciously and diplomatically, which is the only way to go here. We don't tell people they don't know what they're talking about. For heaven's sake, we're bringing people into the hemp fold. Um, you know, I, I usually that that sort of piece comes out when I get someone like resisting after I've been really polite and tried so ever so graciously and diplomatically to redirect them into the realm of reality. And then uh, they still want to sort of push back. Then maybe they get a little more attitude out of me. But in general, you know, you just try to massage those uh things when they come out, right, to let people be aware, like, oh, we'll look into that. Interesting. I heard this. Versus also the processes that you're talking about. And it's interesting because you and I had a conversation a couple months ago where it was the same thing. And, and this, it happens a lot where, you know, we're told you can't do that. It can't be done. If people are saying that can be done, they're absolutely wrong because it simply cannot be done. And lo and behold, don't you know, two months later, we realize, well, there's this new enzyme uh, that has been figured and they're doing that. Nope. They're absolutely doing that. So it's, it is such an interesting um, gauntlet to to walk uh, as we sit here and, and steer the industries and, and lead the public, lead researchers, lead government agencies, lawmakers, rulemakers, et cetera, and entrepreneurs, and most importantly, farmers uh, down this path. Again, the fact that you continue to surround yourself with world, with a diverse uh, a diverse demographic, a diverse population, I will say, of subject matter experts. That is, again, what allows me to be able to say she has her finger on the pulse. She is surrounding herself with experts. She, what is being published by the Global Hemp Association is reliable information. Um, and in these developing and emerging times, that's that's the best that we can do that and always check your resources, check, check those things. I want to ask you on global hemp association for the hemp hallway, it says to request invitation. So let me ask you, is there an ability for uh, the public to sort of just join a lot of trade associations, say membership, join versus apply? Now, bear in mind, the U.S. Hemp Roundtable is not a 501c6. It's a 501c4. And there's some pretty rigorous application and background checks uh, that go on. We actually 
have a real life lawyer and real life background check. Uh, but trade, that's that's a, a different reason. You know, we are collecting money from folks and so on and so forth. But if, as a 501c6 trade association, I very often just see, eh, come on, be a member. We're not looking, just be a member. What goes on with, um, and, and sometimes that is also the best that we can do, but I'm seeing request invitation. What does that mean? Okay, so on Hemp Hallway, I have not published to the public my members' personal information, right? And so it is behind a paywall. And as a membership, depending on what level of membership opens up levels of the platform. And so you get full access as a corporate member, for example, or as an individual associate member, or as a farmer, but maybe a consumer may not have access to connect and actually chat business or attend certain conference meetings. Um, my goal is to really keep a lot of this and inside our platform, a B2B platform. And so we've set up different filters to help. And of course, we've been very flexible as the industry is growing, you know, as well as I do, that the industry is all looking for capital. And so we've really tried to be realistic and yeah, about membership cost and been flexible. It's it, and that again is another gauntlet to to walk that you do so skillfully because the other rub there is and I know this very well from either a leading trade associations or b being a member of trade associations and that is that members are pretty you know if I, if I'm paying a different amount if I'm on this different due structure for this different tier then then I would expect a different level of of membership benefit and that is something that's just basic consumer reality um, because a member is a consumer. They are a consumer of a trade association. And so it, those are difficult, uh, difficult decisions to make, but they are key to running the business that you are running, nonprofit or not. It is a corporation. Yeah. And we've opened up just recently, and this has been a fine line as we've grown, right? To build enough traction. Also, one of the biggest compliments that we receive is about 50% of our meetings are new people. So our existing members are constantly being able to meet new industry leaders, new education, new professionals. Um, and so that's important that we have this public sector and that we're strategic about being able to open doors for our members through those platforms. But then we also have, you know, special opportunities like our committee meetings. I've got six different committees that run pretty consistently. Can you tell first, can you tell us those six committees? Yeah. So we've got a stakeholders uh, education. Our education one is really awesome. Um, we've got four doctors on there. Uh, PhDs, and they are, yeah, they're gathering and, and collecting data to back up claims that, that have been said about hemp. What we're going to see and start seeing is other industries negate or really co combat our claims, right? And so we really want to be able to put a citation behind it. Um, and then uh, funding and events and outreach. Um, so I think that that's it. Wow. I mean, and it's, it's fascinating, too, because uh, instead of sort of doing it by industry or crop type, you're like, no, we're doing this as a as a business. How do we build the hemp industries from from the ground up here in the United States? Really just incredible uh, stuff that you have these committee meetings. Now, I, I stopped you. You were on a roll and I, I try never to interrupt my guests. But you were on a roll in terms of uh, those how people are meeting, and I had stopped you at committee meetings. Did you want to continue on uh, that vein, or shall I move on with a new question? I think I remember what I was going to say really quick. Is that um, you know we've got 
in addition to our meetings and our committee meetings, we've started to put together roundtable discussions. And so we will we will bring together like processors or farmers or specific groups of people to discuss what works for them, you know, not asking to share IP, but again, you know, these big brands that want to come into the industry need to know that multiple people are going to start playing together and then being able to secure contracts at a bigger scale um, by being able to better understand how we how we help each other. What worked? When did you hire in-house? When did you outsource? When did you, what trucking company did you use? What insurance? I mean, these, this is the real true guts. This is the nuts and bolts of it, girl. Oh, Mandy, you make my heart sing. I mean, my heart is just absolutely singing over the good work of the Global Hemp Association. We needed you like a, like the flowers need the sunshine and the rain for heaven's sake. Um, just this level of being able to, to put that team together and, and do it. Um, my specialty being law and regulation, you know, is uh, all of these years has really been mired down in that advocacy. And you're like, you know what? You advocates, you go advocate. I'm going to put the nuts and bolts together and literally build these industries and put people together. We have to. I just recently uh, partnered with or brought Friends of Hemp under the Global Hemp Association umbrella. And really with a purpose, there's no reason that we should have 10 501c6s or 501c4s or threes, right? To be able to work together. And we can't do it alone. You know, it's the same thing. These guys that are going out and investing in processing, processing is great, but if nobody focuses on seeds, we're in trouble. And so they've got to run side by side. And yeah, that's my goal is to support these existing organizations that you've been involved in instead of coming in and saying, mine is the, or this is the you know, industry organization. It's we are. And the plant simply demands that everyone cooperates. I mean, that is the whole point of the plant and plants in general, they cooperate. Nature cooperates. We need to cooperate. No doubt about that. Now, let's talk for a minute here about NOCO, the Northern Colorado Hemp Expo. NOCO Hemp Expo, one of my favorite hemp events on the planet and certainly my most uh, favorite trade show and expo in the United States. It's taking place this year, March 23rd to 25th in Denver. A revolution rising is the theme this year. Of course, my firstborn son name is Phoenix Rising. So I uh, am loving the logo and everything about it. Now, Global Hemp Association, which has had very large roles in these events uh, since you started, has a major role this year. Can you talk to us a little bit about Global Hemp Association and the NOCO Hemp Expo taking place in March? I'm so excited. <laughs> That's Me too. Again, like this whole year, I've built these close relationships with people that now I get to bring them all together and, and meet. So um, we're doing a couple of really cool things. We've got an awesome booth that we're building out to represent like a living room, you know, give some different um, ideas of what have products are out there. And we've got some of our members that have been working hard on that. We're giving away a tiny home or tickets to raffle for a tiny home. So that's kind of fun. You'll have to come by the booth. Um, and then on Thursday night, we're sponsoring the awards banquet. We've put together some awesome awards, some other members also. Um, shout out to Adam and Aaron for putting awards together. But um, 
they really are supposed to represent the pillars within our industry, you know, and getting away from the best gummy or the best tincture and really focused on economic impact and carbon sequestration and uh, women in agriculture uh, leadership. Um, so really, really bringing the impact and you can buy tickets. It's a formal dinner. Um, some people in the hemp industry are like, oh, I only wear hats or, but it is a formal dinner and I'm really excited to really elevate the evening. And we've got a great show put together. And so Finn, I cannot wait to see you there. I think it is going to be one of the best no-cos ever, if not the best, because there is so much energy coming out of the pandemic. We've not been able to have our international partners for the most part um, participate and they will in large supply be there uh, this year. So I just think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Cannot wait for it. And for those of you interested, please go to nocohempexpo.com and get to- I didn't mean to interrupt you really quick. I want to tell you that register, um, and I can send out links, but on the NOCO page, you can nominate people for the awards and then you can buy tickets and tables actually for your company for the dinner. That's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. And I'm on and I'm on the site now. It's so beautiful. I'm just loving the logo this year. And then I think um, in terms of dues, before we start to come to a close here, what do we think about member dues? What is your range? And, and what if, say, I'm a student, your sort of base range, like I'm, I'm a student and I want to I want to support the organization. I want to get a taste of the organization. What are the range of dues? And I'm sure that the range of benefits are quite commensurate with that range of dues. Yeah. So we've got a, um, a $100 consumer membership. Right. We originally started and I actually have an opportunity still to open up two two memberships that aren't one for uh, universities and education and one for other nonprofits. But right now we've got so that you may see that change over this year is that we add those additional memberships to support those those different verticals. Um, we've got a consumer membership for a hundred dollars a year. Um, and that gives you access to attend some of the meetings, right? It doesn't give you the access to the roundtable discussions or some of the upper level exclusive or executive memberships um, opportunities. Um, but still gives you access to get in on the networking event, to get a taste of the content, to get in and see some of the stuff within the platform. Um, so that's pretty, you know, a, an entry level, I would say. We don't have very many of those members to be surprised, you know, surprisingly enough. The majority of our members are actually on the the um, the company or corporate membership and then associate membership. And then we've got a farmer membership for $500. The farmer membership, um, it's really important to me that they have the bulk of benefits for their membership. Um, and so if they are only farming, then the membership is $500. Then we have an associate membership that's an individual membership that gives you the same benefits as a corporate minus the marketing benefits. So you still get the same profile um, and the same platform um, benefits, but you don't receive the, the additional marketing interviews, outreach, shout out um, tickets to other events, things like that. And then our corporate membership is $5,000 and it's up to, I think it's five to 10 other employees. And this has been really a big value add as we've seen uh, companies becoming vertically integrated or trying to build supply chains. So they will then provide the same membership to their farmers. So their farmers are getting access to the support that they need as well as say new companies. And so a lot of these yeah, companies that are doing merges and acquisitions are really taking advantage or somebody like our bank, right? Our bank is using it for prospects. 
so that their prospects are then successful. Wow. It is just, you have thought of absolutely everything with this. Um, just thank you for hearing the call of hemp, uh, Mandy, and for and for heeding it and just taking it and running with it. Every time I turn around, Global Hemp Association is expanding or doing another thing that is going to serve all of the people and the planet and the emerging industries. You really just keep going with it, Mandy. And I, I hope that people will come to Denver to NoCo Hemp Expo at the end of March so they can meet you in person um, and learn learn all about the Global Hemp Association. And and Miss Mandy, before we, we come to a total close here, I want to ask you, is there a question that you wish that I had asked you or a message you want to leave our listeners with before we part? Um, talk about it. Get out and talk about hemp. It is, it's a conversation that lights up a room and it's easy and fun to talk about. And it changes people's perspective when they understand the real impact. So I guess that would be my my last message is feel free to log in onto our, any of our channels or any of the things that Joy, any of the podcasts or, or content Joy puts out. But yeah, then share it because people listen. It's fun. <laughs> God, I can't tell you how that message so warms my heart because that is, it has been everything. We, communicating, communicating in the, in the, with the barista while you're waiting in line for the coffee at the school PTA meeting, everywhere you can talk hemp, talk hemp, talk hemp. I love it. Miss Mandy, I cannot wait to see you uh, in March. And thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Joy. It's great. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.